Hi, this is Pam Johnson continuing my talk on CT for pulmonary embolism. We spent the first session reviewing protocol optimization, and in the second talk here, I'm going to, dis to um, discuss some of the CT findings in the setting of pulmonary embolism. So, in terms of the actual pulmonary artery thrombus, it can appear as a as uh, it, it's, it's a filling defect that can appear either as a central low density, um, and if it's surrounded by contrast, it creates a donut sign of the high attenuation contrast surrounding the central lumen. Or um, on the coronal and sagittal views, this can appear as a railroad track appearance. Or the thrombus may be eccentric. In uh, some of the most difficult cases are when the vessel is just completely unenhanced and it's it can be a subtle finding where from one slice the the artery is enhanced and on the next slice it's not enhanced and if you're not looking closely at those peripheral segmental and subsegmental branches this is a finding that you can miss it's much more apparent on the MPRs when there's an occlusive thrombus that fills the lumen there are usually more than one thrombus when I see one I search for a second one, which always increases my diagnostic confidence, and they are more common in the lower lobes, which is one of the reasons why we sometimes will see incidental pulmonary emboli in the lower lobes on an abdominal CT, and it's very important, especially in the inpatients and the oncology patients, to look carefully at those lower lobe arteries with thin cuts um, on abdominal CTs. It only takes a few seconds. So let's look at a couple cases here. We have a patient with a thrombus in the right lower lobe pulmonary artery, seen as a filling defect in the image on the left. And then in this sagittal MPR, it has the railroad track appearance with an elongated thrombus within the lumen here of the vessel. Um, and this, this is the same image that was shown before on the left, just magnified to show the thrombus within the vessel surrounded by contrast. This is the challenging case of the cutoff sign that I was mentioning a few minutes ago. So if you look in the right lower lobe, follow that most medial pulmonary artery. Keep your eye on that most medial pulmonary artery as I scroll through different cuts. And then all of a sudden, the artery is, has a lower degree of enhancement than the others. But you can imagine that if you're reading quickly, this is a subtle finding that could be overlooked. Um, when you look at the image as a sagittal MPR, it's much more conspicuous that there's an occlusive thrombus in the peripheral portion of the segmental vessel. This is the cutoff sign, and it's difficult to see these attenuation measurements, but the non-enhancing segment is 122 Hounsfield units, whereas the enhancing segment is up over 400 Hounsfield units. So it is a measurable difference in enhancement. I'll show you some thrombus within the different um, branches in the main pulmonary arteries. You can see, a, see it straddle the right and left pulmonary artery, as in this case. Here's large thrombus in each of the main right and left pulmonary arteries, a little bit more peripherally. Again, the main pulmonary arteries. Extensive thrombus in this case. Lobar pulmonary emboli bilateral in this case. Then moving into the segmental branches and then the subsegmental branches in the lower lobes, as shown here. So important to inspect all of the branches. Now, which complication is shown in this case? We can see an embolism in the right 
lower lobe pulmonary artery and also in the le on the left as well. And there are several complications that are shown in this case. So the arrow in the image on the right is giving you a clue. And what we have here is an infarct in the left lower lobe where the red arrow is now pointing. So you can see that there's atelectatic lung. Normal atelectatic lung should enhance homogeneously. If you see a well-defined linear area of decreased enhancement, you should suspect an infarct. And again, this is a finding that you may see on an abdominal CT only in the lung bases, and you have to be cognizant of the fact that this may reflect an embolism that's not being imaged. So here's a case with an infarct in the left lower lobe, and we see flattening of the interventricular septum shown by the curved arrow, clockwise rotation of the heart, flat, there's, there is again the interventricular septum, and these are findings of right heart strain. So once you find the embolism, evaluate the heart. It's most helpful if you have an old CT to see if there's a difference, if the heart has rotated clockwise, if the interventricular septum is more flattened than on the prior exam, because these are very important prognostic findings, even more important than the amount of pulmonary embolism, as we're going to discuss a little bit later in the talk. So here's a nice example where we had the prior CT for comparison on the left, and you can see that in the setting of pulmonary embolism, there's clockwise rotation of the heart and flattening of the interventricular septum. So right heart strain, what causes this? Well, acute pulmonary embolism increases the pulmonary vascular resistance, elevates the right ventricular afterload, the right ventricle dilates, becomes hypokinetic, and then the patient can develop tricuspid regurgitation. This is a, a, a prognostic indicator of a worse outcome. So right ventricular strain is a bad prognostic indicator. What about clot burden? Is that predictive of outcome? Well, here's a study of patients that were admitted to the intensive care unit for pulmonary embolism-related conditions. And so, of course, these were sick patients. And what they found was the right ventricle to left ventricle ratio and the azygous vein diameter were predictors of mortality in patients with severe pulmonary embolism. There was no significant relationship between PA clot load and mortality rate. Um, this is a summary of a number of different articles showing what are the predictors of mortality. And these have been found to be the right ventricle to left ventricle ratio the SVC diameter, and the azygous vein diameter. So these are findings that are more important in predicting outcome than the pulmonary artery clot burden. Another study comparing qualitative findings between patients who survived and non-survivors with pulmonary embolism. And again, um, the only significant finding in this study was reflux into the inferior vena cava, which is indicative of right heart failure. In another study comparing different indicators of right heart dysfunction, significant findings included the RV to LV ratio, presence of interventricular septum flattening or bowing, and then contrast reflux into the inferior vena cava. Let's review the secondary findings that you may see in the setting of pulmonary embolism. Common findings are pleural effusion and atelectasis, which we know are nonspecific. If you can identify an infarct, well, that's, that really does bolster your diagnostic confidence, especially if you happen to see it at the lung base on an abdominal CT. And infarcts can have a very characteristic appearance that you need to be familiar with that will really help you in, make, in clinching the diagnosis. We all know from residency that they're you know, wedge-shaped peripheral opacities, but 
what what we've seen with our experience is that there are very characteristic appearance that should make you be highly suspicious of an infarct beyond just the peripheral location. And then, as we mentioned, indicators of right heart strain. So here's one study that was published in JCAT showing that pleural effusion was common, the presence of a wedge-shaped peripheral opacity seen in a third, um, uncomplicated enhancing atelectasis nearly a third, and then this area of geographic decreased uh, atelectasis with well-defined geographic decrease in enhancement was seen in 20%. In almost a third of the patients, there were no pleuroparenchymal findings. So the absence of pleuroparenchymal findings does not preclude the presence of pulmonary embolism. Let's review the appearance of a number of different infarcts. Here's a really nice example of the well-defined decreased enhancement within atelectatic lung that should make you suspicious for an infarct in this patient who also has large bilateral pleural effusions. Now, this is appearance that I've been showing the residents. This ground glass and solid um, peripheral pleural-based opacity, classic appearance for an infarct. It has a, a major ground glass component with some solid components mixed in. I believe this has been described in the literature as well. And it's an appearance that should make you concerned about a pulmonary embolism. This is a non-contrast CT, and when we looked at the pelvis, we could see that there was high density in the right femoral vein, even on the non-contrast CT, which was confirmed with ultrasound to be a DVT, and that was a right lower lobe infarct. Another example, same finding, mixed ground glass and solid lung opacity, pleural-based in the lower lobe, and in this patient we can see the lower lobe emboli despite the poor quality enhancement of the study. Another example of an infarct in the left lung, and you can see the pulmonary emboli in the image on the left within the peripheral left main pulmonary artery and left upper lobe pulmonary artery. Um, patient with large right pulmonary embolism, and again we see decreased enhancement within the atelectatic lung in the left lower lobe indicating ischemia or infarct. Another example of an infarct in the right lower lobe, again, well demarcated area of decreased enhancement within atelectatic lung. And we can also see the emboli in this patient in the left pulmonary artery. Sometimes these infarcts can be very small as shown in this case. But really the, the most critical discriminating factor in these cases is that it's a well-defined area of decreased enhancement. If a patient has atelectasis and pneumonia, if the atelectasis is super infected, Edema can make the atelectatic lung low density, but that's usually more uniformly decreased in enhancement or more amorphous without this really well-delineated um, area of decreased enhancement that should make you think of ischemia or infarct. So let's talk about some of the pitfalls of CT imaging. Unfortunately, a perfect study is not always the result, although we do our best with protocol optimization. So what are the things that hinder our ability to make the diagnosis? Well, low contrast enhancement, either due to noise or mixing artifact, presence of motion artifact from respiratory, most, most commonly from respiratory motion artifact, but also even cardiac pulsation artifact can limit your evaluation, and then beam hardening artifact from the superior vena cava. So here's a nice example of pseudothrombus mixing in the right pulmonary artery. And now here's a quiz case. So is this thrombus or is this flow causing this really well-defined linear decreased enhancement in both pulmonary arteries. If it's, if it's thrombus and you call it flow, it, you're, you're missing a clot in the main pulmonary artery. But in this case, 
this is the classic appearance for pseudothrombus. The study was repeated, um, and you can see that the pulmonary artery is completely normal. It was just too early. The scan timing was too early to enable adequate mixing of contrast. Here in the left pulmonary artery, same finding. Completely normal on the second exam. So a pitfall not to be mistaken for clot. Here's a pseudodissection due to cardiac pulsation artifact in the pulmonary artery. Dissections of the pulmonary artery are exceedingly rare. Um, and then this is a, a, a pitfall associated with the cardiac coronary artery CT when you use a saline flush. The flush often makes the lower lobe pulmonary arteries all look lower in density, but this should not be mistaken for thrombus. Okay, so what else can we talk about with respect to the pulmonary arteries? We're going to go over some unusual things when we start back up in our third and final session. Thank you very much and have a great day.